talked about the first part here of chapter 4 last time, but I think we're going to read this whole section and get this whole uh, story before us. It's a story certainly that uh, I'm sure you're familiar with, but would somebody read uh, Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel on his part also brought of the first slings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. You shall be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden, and I shall be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and it will come about that whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to him, Therefore whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, so that no one finding him would slay him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Okay, we looked last time at the idea of God uh, accepting Cain, uh, Abel and his offering, not Cain and his offering. I think because Abel offered the first fruits, and Cain just offered something. But then you see the reaction. Because Cain realizes that God was pleased with Abel and his sacrifice and not with his own sacrifice. And how did that make Cain feel? Angry. Angry. You know, he could have just decided he was going to offer the kind of sacrifice that would have pleased the Lord. Instead, he's just angry. That's his, you know, reaction to this. And God talks to him. God gives him some very wise counsel. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? What does it mean to say, why is your countenance fallen? You look sad. Yeah, why do you look so sad? Your countenance falling means your face has fallen. In other words, you look sad, you look mopey, you look depressed. You know, why are you so down, we might say. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Here is the solution for feeling down and depressed and sad about God not accepting his offering. What does he need to do? 
Exactly. He has a choice. He's at a crossroads. He does the right thing, and it'll be encouraging. He'll feel good. He does the wrong thing, and temptation is right there, eager and anxious to devour him. How many times have we been at that crossroads? We have the choice to do well or not do well. And uh, we're probably never more vulnerable than when we are where Cain was. Sort of down, depressed, kind of feeling sorry for himself. That's the kind of state Satan likes to find us in. Because he's able to tempt us and bring us down so often in that. But the key is, do the right thing. And so God gives him good counsel. Comments and thoughts through uh, verse 7. Is there a connection between the statement in verse 7 uh, at the end, and its desire is for you, but you must master it, and what uh, God said uh, to the woman in 316, uh, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you? It's similar wording, and, you know, I've seen some people, you know, talk about that. I'm not sure what to make out of it, but it is similar wording. Yeah, that was all I can figure out for sure. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. There may be something more than that, but I haven't figured it out yet. Is it it possible that the connection is um, that with a he shall rule over you, he's reminding the woman of her role that the man is supposed to be the head, and he's going to exercise authority over her, and here God is warning Cain that if he allows it, that sin is going to exercise authority over him. I mean, he's going to let his sin get the better of him, mm-hmm. and he's saying, don't do that. You need to rule over it. You need to exercise authority and control over that instead. Good comment. Yeah. I mean, we have that choice. Are we going to let sin take over and dominate us, or are we going to uh, put it in its place? It's not inevitable. You don't have to sin. You choose to sin. Uh, you know, it's almost like we feel like that we are powerless, kind of as if we were the victim. You know, the temptation was so strong and this and that, and there just wasn't anything I could do about it. Well, there's always something we can do about it. And uh, we can we can choose to do the right thing. <laughs> it's it's up to us. Right, other thoughts and comments to verse seven. Um, God talked to him. Do we have any idea of how that happened? I, I mean, I get the idea that there's like a sit down conversation or something, as opposed to you know some mighty voice from on high. But I don't know if that's I don't know how the Lord talked to him. I mean, we know ways the Lord talked to some other people. It was often to an angel or something like that. Um, I don't know if the Lord would have spoken just in a voice mm-hmm. without him seeing somebody. I, I don't know. But they had, you know, I mean, obviously he did have direct communication with God here in whatever form that took. Other thoughts? You guys had one thought. Uh, it was said once, uh, when we control self, Satan is helpless. You, know, you see in James that uh, you know man is drawn away by his own lust and enticed, and you know then 
sin is conceived and brings forth death, you know, and it's it's because we have the desire, but we also have the choice to, you know, sin or not sin, like you said. So if we just control ourselves, you know, Satan can't do anything. Good point. Yes? You know, Cain's being just like Adam and Eve in his way of sort of hiding it. When God asked him where his brother is, he says, I don't know, which is a lie. He's trying to hide it. Yeah, we'll see, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment, because there are some very interesting parallels between chapter 3 and chapter 4. So what does Cain end up doing with Abel? Tells Abel something. Cain yeah. told Abel his brother. Yes. So he went out like to talk to him. Kind of reminds you of like, I don't know, something Joab would do, I think. <laughs> you know... Wanted to have a conversation, but really he wanted to, uh, you know, get right to the point. Um, and so uh, Cain killed it, you know, however that was. But Cain, Cain, Cain killed it. I mean, that, that's the way to deal with it. You just get rid of him. Now God won't like Abel better than Cain because Abel won't be there. You know, so he's, he's angry with him because he hasn't done well, and he, he kills him to solve the problem. And then God comes and says, where is Abel, your brother? As we said with Adam and Eve, God didn't know? Sure he knew. What's he trying to do? Exactly. And what does Cain say? I don't know. Family circus. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Wow. If that wasn't a lie all the way around, he did know. And am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> As if, well, I'm not supposed to know where he is all the time. <laughs> wow, that wasn't the point. He knew right where he was because it's where he put him. <laughs> you know? So that's just really a, uh, a total evasion. He's denying his responsibility it's really an absurd question when you stop and think about it under the circumstances. He's just totally trying to hide and shift the whole focus of the conversation. But God doesn't let that happen. God says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. What does he mean the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground? There's no blood could cry. Could be he's telling Cain uh, that he knows what happened. He is telling him that, but what does he mean that the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground? Is he saying you're guilty? He is saying you're guilty. It's, it's a cry for justice. Yes, I think so. You know, the injustice of this is an outrage, and it's crying out for something to be done about it. You, you, it, in the very nature of things, injustice needs to be punished. And it's like, this, this blood is just crying out because it's been unjustly shed. Thoughts and comments through verse 10. You can see uh, how this illustrates 1 John 3.15, the, the the, the one who hates his brother is a murderer. Uh, you can, you know, just because you hate your brother doesn't mean you 
are going to kill your brother, but you can see the steps that were going on in his life and in his mind here that led him to actually murder his brother. Yes. Probably those who hate their brother would murder them if they had a convenient way to do so. <laughs> You know, it's it's the very heart that commits murder. Jim? I wish I wish we knew more about the transition between God's instruction and Cain reaching that conclusion. I need to talk to Abel about this. I mean, Abel talking to Abel was nowhere in God's instruction to Cain, but he thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. That's the way to fix this. Um, Unless that was totally. A scheme to kill it. it. Right. I mean, if it was premeditated, yeah. I guess to, to go along with that, I, uh, for whatever it's worth, I got a footnote that says the, the Pentateuch and Septuagint, Vulgate, stuff like that. But um, on verse A, where it says, Now Cain talked with Abel's brother, it says right after that, it adds, Let us go out to the field. <laughs> like, it just kind of sounds like he's leading him out there. Yeah, yeah. Where no one can see us. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, Step outside and we'll settle this. Yeah. So, but it wasn't tweeted to him. Exactly, it wasn't. Did he like kill him with like a rock or something? I don't know how he killed him. I thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, of course, he said, when he says, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Obviously, that was a blatant lie. And then he uses a play on words. He said, am I my, bro my brother's keeper? But Abel means keeper. But that that was interesting, whatever that's worth. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, isn't one translation of Abel's name is Keeper. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I wondered, I wondered if it tied back to where God told his father to tend and keep the garden. And so Adam was in charge and responsible for the garden. And so Cain is using that play on words. You think I'm in charge? Because I was wondering... It was Cain did Cain have an obligation just as a brother to keep track of his brother was he his brother's keeper I mean kind of divorcing it from the, the first part of the whole murder thing but just um, <laughs> just I mean just that kind of, that concept whether he should he should have been in some way as the older brother the keeper of the younger maybe so but I think the point here is what an outrageously ridiculous question yes. under these circumstances. You know? <laughs> As if that really mattered. That wasn't, you know, he's not saying to Cain, well, have you kept track of where all your brother is as he goes from here, there, and yonder? You know, I mean, Cain just killed him. Am I my brother's keeper is not the question. You know where he is. You just put him there. Well, we do a similar type of thing. I mean, when we're guilty of someone, and come when someone comes up and says, hey, did you have, and you can't even finish the sentence, they're like, I, I never saw the cookies. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to ask you about the cookies. I was going to ask you about, and it's kind of like this. You know, he overemphasizes what he doesn't need to overemphasize because yeah. of his guilt. Well, sure. You can think of things like, um, you know, what if some brother or sister is really uh, discouraged by what someone said. And you go up to that someone and say, do you know anything about why so-and-so is so discouraged? I don't know. They're not my responsibility. Well, you know good and well. You know you're the one that just hurt them or, or 
gossiped about them or whatever to get back to them. You know why they're down or why they're this or that, you know, but you're just trying to evade the personal responsibility. I remember people say, well, what have you heard? And then they want to know so that they don't get up to end too much of Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting the way that uh, uh, Cain talks to God. I mean, the attitude that he seems to have is he talks to God here. And I think it illustrates the fact that you're if, if somebody is set on living an ungodly life or doing some ungodly thing, you're not going to turn them around. The, the, the way that they're going to be turned around is, is, is they're going to have to have some softness of heart in order to turn their lives, be able to turn their lives around. Even God's pleading with him here doesn't turn him around. So sometimes I think we, we I, I know I do, get uh, disappointed and even sometimes discouraged in talking with someone about uh, the direction in their life. And there doesn't seem to be any any change. And they keep heading in the wrong direction. And the answer is that their heart is, heart has to change before that's going to change. Yeah, I've got a friend who always asks me, how can I make this person change? I'm like, you can't do that. If they don't want to, there's nothing you're going to do. You know, but we often think that. It's, it's really my own responsibility. And if I don't change, nobody could make me. If somebody wants to change, you may be able to help and encourage and exhort and so forth. But you can't make somebody, not even God made Cain change. Well, look at, look at the punishment. He says, now you're cursed from the ground. I mean, the, the, the very ground that uh, drank up the blood of Abel now will not yield its strength for Cain. It's not going to produce a crop for him, and so he's going to end up being a vagrant and a wanderer, rootless, and just kind of wandering around on the earth. That's his punishment. What does Cain think about his punishment? Yeah, he, he goes to pieces over this. I can't handle this. What's he afraid of? Being killed? Somebody might kill me! <laughs> See a problem with that? <laughs> wow. Uh, the inconsistencies we have. And again, you see that. You can see, you know, somebody who's uh, extremely critical of someone who's very critical. You know, right? they're, 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 you know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be talking like that. You know, while they're talking like that or whatever. It's like, wait a minute. Why does everything only apply to the other guy and it never applies to you? It's just, it's just really funny if it weren't serious. Somebody <laughs> might kill me. You know, somebody might. He might have inspired somebody to do the same thing. I guess. Sometimes I wonder if I do that. Like, cause then we don't examine ourselves well enough, so. If we're thinking, oh, how could this person do this? But we're not really examining ourselves. I always wonder if I do that. Uh, I don't notice I do it, but probably easy to I'm sure do. I do it. Yeah, we probably ought to look at ourselves. Yeah. I'm wondering if he's having flashbacks again to his dad, because his dad, you know, 
tries to pass the buck and get rid of the blame, and it's and it's not me. And God curses the ground. And then you get here, and he tries to, well, I'm not responsible, and I don't know what happened. And God curses the ground even further. Yes. Specifically him. Um, it's very parallel. Yeah. All the way through. And what does God do about that? I mean, when Cain complains about the punishment, he's worried that whoever finds me will kill me, what does God do? Puts a mark on him, some kind of mark, so that people know it's him, so they don't touch him. Yes. He gives him sort of a protective tattoo of some sort, and says that if anyone kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. You know, he's, he's very strong about the punishment that will come to anybody who messes with Cain. Almost ironically, God becomes Abel's brother's keeper. Cameron? Um, where does it say that he put a mark on him? It says uh, that he planted a sign for Cain, but not on Cain. Yeah, it may depend on your translation. New, New King James says Mark in 15. Yeah, and, and my margin says set a mark on him. So it depends okay. on your translation. What part of the punishment did Cain find too great? I mean, it, I mean the, the ground is cursed, or he's cursed from the ground, and he's going to be a vagrant and a wanderer, and then it looks like Cain adds in uh, that he will be hidden from God's face, and the part about whoever finds me will kill me. So I mean, is it is it just the? I'm just I'm curious as to what part might be what he had the most problem with. Well, the part God answers is the whoever Killing finds me will kill me part. Okay. Maybe that was the ultimate for him. Could you explain verse 14 and 16 um, when Cain says, "And from your face I shall be hidden." And then when the conversation is over, 16 says, Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. So like he's banished from the Lord's presence, I mean, obviously the Lord is present in some senses anywhere, but apparently the Lord doesn't have contact with him and he's sort of a a reject from, from where the Lord, you know, is around. In some way different than the rest of the family. I think so. I think so. So he's just like living to go to hell. Yeah, but in a way, if he's banished from the presence of the Lord, he almost is already. Right. In a way. Yeah. But God didn't say that, though, right? That you are banished from my presence. Mm -hmm. That's correct. That was Cain's conclusion. Right. Just like it was his conclusion that somebody's going to try to kill me. Maybe it would depend a little on what Cain did, but Cain chooses to leave the presence of the Lord. Maybe more his attitude that does that. I, I think that that's true. You see such uh, selfishness and self-centeredness about Cain. Uh, nothing's fair. This, this this is just not fair. I'm being treated badly, and uh, he wasn't thinking about that when he was killing his brother. So inconsistent. And so look, I think one of the things that will help us to see that is just looking at the comparisons and contrasts with the story in Genesis 3. I mean, when the action is done, look at 3.9 and 4.9. Where are you? Where is Abel your brother? 
Then look at 3.13 and 4.10. What is this you have done? What have you done? And then um, in uh, 3.10, I heard the sound of you. In 4.10, the voice of your brother's blood is crying. Then there's the curse on the ground, as has already been uh, mentioned. Then there was the protection given by God, the clothes, the mark. Then they were expelled toward the east. So you see very parallel actions. The, the where, the what, the hearing, the curse, the protective closer mark, and the expulsion toward the east. But look at the contrasts. Once you see those comparisons, it sets them up as kind of parallel stories. A couple of contrasts jump out. There's several contrasts, perhaps, but I want to mention two. Eve had to be talked into her sin by Satan. Cain couldn't be talked out of his sin by the Lord. You see that difference? Say that again. Eve was talked into her sin by Satan. Cain couldn't be talked out of his sin by God. Because God talked to him and gave him that advice. He needed to know it was right and his countenance wouldn't have fallen and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so that's one contrast. Here's another contrast. The reaction to the sentence. You don't hear Adam and Eve complaining, oh, this is more than we can bear, we can't handle this. But Cain does. And that just isn't a very good attitude. I mean, not only did he do wrong, he complains about the punishment. <laughs> Sounds like modern man. <laughs> so it seems to me like, you know, we're just going deeper into sin. You know, as we progress in the human race, we regress spiritually. Uh, and so, and you think about it, this, this is the human race's firstborn. Okay. Firstborn. Firstborn. Oh, yes. Yes. Isn't that sad? It's off to a great start. <laughs> I've got my rights. Exactly. It's not fair. Coming. I think you see too the a consequence of sin, and that is how how it affects your thinking. Um, even if Cain would have been forgiven or could, you know, because of a better attitude, he's still going to have that memory of his sin haunting him. And it, it makes him perhaps look at other people like he sees himself because of his sin, which is, again, that's a, con that's a very negative consequence to have to, to have to bear. But we choose that when we choose to sin. I've heard of stuff like this. I mean, I don't really know. I've heard of, like, when one spouse cheats on the other, that then the rest of the time he or she's afraid that the other one might do it to them. Like, I mean, all of a sudden it's in their mind. I, I don't know, I've heard stories like that. But Sin know. hardens, it warps your thinking, it distances you from God, Jeremy? Something that I read that tied back more to chapter 3 um, to emphasize the, the need to take responsibility for your sin, which is what it seems like Cain is struggling doing. Um, it's someone else's fault, it's not his, it's, it's his brother, so he needs to get the brother out of the way, and then it's God's fault, you're being too hard on me, and Cain never takes responsibility for that. Uh, and the person was going back to the argument 
that we make about, well, it's not my fault, it's everyone else's fault, it's the environment. You know, I grew up in a bad environment, and so I have all these excuses. But you go back to chapter 3, and his parents had the perfect environment. I mean, they, they had, they're on a brand new creation. There was no sin, no one had sinned, and they were still getting along with the animals, and there wasn't death and disease and all that stuff. And they had the perfect father. They had God. And he was in their midst, and they still sinned. It wasn't the environment. And there was nowhere else. I mean, they tried. They tried with Satan, but ultimately they had to take responsibility for their sin. And despite knowing all of that, Cain still didn't own up. And I just, I thought that was that was a powerful point that to help us take responsibility. Even the very first, they couldn't blame anything else. It was them. It's true. Yes. <coughs> Uh, you know, what we see here about what he said, you know, he said, this is too much for me to bear, you know. You sort of, like, it was already mentioned, like, it's not fair. That's sort of sometimes what we do, you know. We're doing the sin, and, you know, we're fine with it, and we're not even thinking about God, and then we're punished, and we'll say, well, it's not fair. Why is this happening to me? And, you know, as exactly. you mentioned, we don't, we don't think about that ahead of time. We just want our own pleasure. Yes, exactly, Cameron. Um... A second ago, he was talking about how he didn't own up to it. What would have happened if he did own up to it? Well, it would have been better. Not exactly how it would have changed, I don't know. But there would have been hope for him to reestablish his relationship with God. Well, that's what God tells him. You know, he tells him if, if, if you'll do what's right, it'll turn things completely around. Good point. Well, what verse is that? Yeah. Verse uh, seven. Seven. Sorry. It seems like to some degree God had mercy on him. I think so. And I'm curious about that. I mean, justice demanded some type of of response because there had been a death and blood had been shed. But Cain is spared from being executed. God God tempers justice with mercy even here. Even I here. think that's important. Sarah? So would, I guess, would Abel's blood be part of the blood that's under the altar in Revelation 6? Well, right I don't now, think so, because I, I think in Revelation 6 we're just dealing with those who've been killed in the persecution of the Christians okay. in Asia Minor. Because, I mean, it, it reminded me of that, you know. The, but it's the same idea. The blood crying out Absolutely. to me from the ground and the souls under the altar crying out how long. And then you even have that same vengeance where God has said basically to everyone else, vengeance is mine. And so you don't touch Cain. Yeah, it, it's a common concept. You know, I often go back to Cain and Abel when I teach Revelation 6. You've got other passages. I'm thinking about Job 16:18. O earth, do not cover my blood, and let there be no resting place for my cry. Job is saying, I am being treated unjustly and calling upon the earth not to cover that, to let that cry of injustice continue to be heard because something ought to be done about the outrage of how he was being treated. So that that whole idea of whether or not the blood is covered is the idea if, if the injustice is still clamoring for some kind of punishment. There are a number of places in the Old Testament where innocent blood is shed and is crying out to God. The only thing 
that uh, will cover that is the death of the of the one who did that. Mm -hmm. Yes, Cameron. I seem to think that um, when he was kept alive, I say that's a punishment because you kept away from God, like Adam and Eve. They died spiritually right that day. They they were kicked out from God's presence. He he died spiritually here. He was kicked out from God's presence. I, I take that as a punishment, worse than being chopped. I'm not sure that the text. <laughs> I'm not sure the text is necessarily implying that, but certainly he's being punished by being banished from God's presence. I agree with that. However, that was if the banishment is sort of self-imposed because he didn't repent, that may well be the case. But that's still a bad thing to endure. Good comments. Other comments or thoughts? You, you want to comment any on who he was worried about killing him? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> it would be his brothers and sisters, or nieces and nephews, or whatever. Adam and Eve had other yeah. children besides Cain and Abel, and so I'm assuming we don't know how old Cain and Abel were here. You know, I mean, they may have been up in the hundreds somewhere, and uh, so there may have been a number of you know brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, great nephews, great nieces, and whatever that were populating the earth at this point. Did, did they have the concept back then of like the whole brother and sister thing like we do today? No, you mean like you couldn't marry? Uh, no. Yeah, like it's There'd weird, be no so human like, race if they had. Yeah. <laughs> That's only well, I thought maybe it just wasn't icky back then or something like it is today. <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't, like, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, only with the law did those laws come okay. the law of Moses. Uh, clearly, that, that had to happen in yeah. the early times. Okay, I just didn't know when that... I think with the law of Moses. Yeah. Okay. Because even, you know, in Abraham's family, they married close relatives. Okay. It appears like... Three. <laughs> it appears like the bonus, right? <laughs> I thought it was interesting in this passage that it's like... Cain told Abel his brother, and Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and where is Abel your brother? And, you know, always, almost every time, he's referred to as Abel your brother. Oh, yes. Would you like to count those? How many times? <laughs> How many times does it mention them being brothers? Seven. seven. See, that might have gotten on Cain's nerve. <laughs> Did you find the seven? No. Verse 2, and then what? This way. See where I'm coming to. Verse 8. 8 twice. Eight. Verse nine. 9 twice. Verse 10 and verse 11. There's seven times that they're called brothers. We're going to deal with that more either tonight or next week. And it reminds me of Moses and his father-in-law. I remember it just when he says your father-in-law, or I don't know. Yeah. But here I think there's such a great purpose in this. He, he killed his brother. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason why he kept keeps saying that the yeah. perfect number of times. Logan. Did Cannibal die? I, I, I assume it did. Yeah. Cameron? Going back to what you were talking about, um, about your brother um, Abel. Could it be like he could have just said your brother, but there was a ton of other brothers too, so he had a specific but he could have just said Abel. Yeah. True. I think he's trying to emphasize they were brothers. Yes? Um, you know, 
would think that Cain would would have learned from his parents, and you would think that his parents would have talked to him more about, like, and raised him right for for the mistake they made, and sort of raised him up well, and you know, taught him everything, and taught him not to do these things and not to do those things. Yeah, so he may well have been taught all that. That, that still happens to well, yeah. That's what Cain does does not necessarily say anything about what he was taught. Yeah. It's his choice. God taught him. Yeah. If nothing else. But I meant like he should have learned from his parents. Well, we should have learned from him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. From the mistake. Yeah. And he should have learned from God himself. Even. I mean, the fact is, most of the time, our sin is not a lack of education. It's a lack of the proper choice. That's certainly the case here wasn't that he didn't know, it's that he didn't choose to do. Right. I can conclude from Abel that they did teach appropriately. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Would, before um, Cain killed his brother, would he have known that it was wrong? Because afterwards, he, yeah, he's going to be guilty about it. I assume so. Yeah. I mean, certainly God is holding him responsible. Wouldn't take a whole lot to figure that out anyway. But he probably wouldn't have felt the need to lie about it. If he that's exactly right. That yes, that that shows you a guilty conscience, yeah. Jeremy. Well, the tree that they ate from it says that his parents were able to distinguish between good and evil. Yes, and yeah. so they would have taught their kids the difference between yeah. good and evil. Sure. Did you say that the word "countenance" just means like facial expression? Yeah, basically. Okay. We want to find out what it appears. Oh yeah. Do you remember what it appears yet? Uh, a lot of times it talks about going to a location as if there are people there already. You know, he went to the, the land of the night or whatever. But I'm assuming there were not other people yet. Because verse 25. Was the replacement for Abel. Well, would not have necessarily had to happen in chronological order. That's what I'm thinking. You know, she got Abel replaced, but not necessarily that that was her next child. So there are brothers and sisters in between. That's my guess. Brothers and sisters, it seems like the next son would have been a replacement for Abel. The next maybe son this departure. Yes, maybe so. Maybe the next son after Abel was killed. Okay. Uh, maybe she had both other sons while he was alive. We don't know. We, we know from chapter 5 and verse 4 that the days of Adam after he became the father of Seth were 800 years. So he lived 800 years after he became the father of Seth. We also know that he had other sons and daughters. I don't think that proves that the other sons and daughters were either before or after Seth. I think just that's just another statement. And they may well have been, some of them, prior to Seth. Um, I guess that does perhaps suggest that, you know, uh, Cain and Abel weren't more than 130 uh, whenever this happened. But certainly that would have given enough time for Adam and Eve to have had many other children and even uh, two or three generations, you know, come down. Perhaps. We don't know. Perhaps, except most of them didn't have kids, it looks like, until they were 100. Yes. Some of them 85, but most of them 100, 130, 160. 
Um, well, no, I mean, Seth was 105 in verse 6, and Enish was 90 in verse 9, and Kenan was 70 in verse 12, and Mahalalel 65 in verse 15. So, some of them were, you know... I was just curious as to how... We don't have a lot of information. You know, the land of Nod could not have had... A a lot of population when he went there. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, certainly not a huge population like, you know, the world does now. Uh, Jeremy? Well, in the genealogies in chapter 5, they're tracing a very specific line. He's not yes. including all of uh, Adam and Eve's descendants. He's just tracing the line that gets to Noah. And so there were more people having people other than what we read about. Having <laughs> <laughs> people. Yeah. I mean, very generic there. Um, but all of them Adam and Eve's descendants. Yes, but all of them Adam and Eve's descendants. And and with the the sequence of you know which son came where, parents still do the same thing today. You know they experience the loss of a child, and they want to replace that child not before the loss but sure after the loss. And so we see that concept even. Abel could have had kids already. True. And Cain. Yeah. It doesn't mention. Yeah. Right. Certainly. Yes. Can we move on to Cain's descendants? <laughs> oh, but this is cool. I won't get to the real cool parts today. I don't think the rate we're going, but, but I love 417 to the end of 5 is really cool when we finally get enough taught that we get to see how cool it is. But that'll probably be next week. But we got to start. So um, who, who feels... Uh, you know, like you like uh, names to read, uh, 17 to 24. I'll do it. All right. <laughs> Go for it, James. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived, and bare Enoch. And he built a city, and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begat Mahujael, and Mahujael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lamech. And Lamech took unto him two wives, the name of one was Ada, and the other was Zillah. And Ada bare Jabel, and, his, and was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such have, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every uh, artificer, artificer. There we go. He was an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron, and the sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. Okay. Now, we are doing something here that is a pattern in Genesis. We trace the non-chosen lineage first, and then we go back and carry down the lineage of the promise. So we're coming down with Cain's first, and then in chapter 5 we'll see Seth's. Now, we'll do more eventually with these, but I want you to notice a few things about them. Cain's son was named Enoch. And uh, he built a city, and then Enoch had Irad, Irad Mahujil, Mahujil Methushil, Methushil Lamech. Now Lamech is a significant figure here. He has two wives, and we have the names of four of his children. Jabal, 
who was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock, Jubal, who was the father of the musicians, Tubal Cain, who was the father of the bronze and iron workers, and a daughter named Naamah. So what you see is significant cultural and technical advances in Cain's descendants, musically and metallically and uh, <laughs> you know agriculturally and all of that. But moral failure, because Lamech does several things that are disturbing. Having two wives probably wasn't a very good idea. But look at what he named the son in verse 22. Perpetuating the infamous name of Cain. Wow, I bet that wouldn't be what you'd have wanted to do, I hope. And then, notice what he tells his wives. He has this little ditty where he says, For I've killed a man for wounding me, and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Now what do you see in this? He's proud. He's proud of? Killing someone. Uh, yes, and killing someone... Yeah. Two Younger, and what do you say? Two someones. Two someones. For what? For just wounding him. Yes. Revenge. Yeah, but, and disproportionate revenge. He, he has, you know, sort of a note of bravado about him. Right. You mess with me and I'll bump you off. You know, nobody looks at me cross-eyed. You know, that's got kind of a, I killed a man for just yeah, wounding me. I killed a boy for just hitting me. You know, this is the first case in which crime was venerated by the culprit. He, he, he gloated in being a, you know, tough guy. And, and, and he says, you know, God said he was going to avenge Cain sevenfold. <laughs> you mess with me, you'll pay seventy-sevenfold. Kind of reminds you of Jesus' 70 times 7, which meant unending forgiveness. This means unending revenge. You know, you mess with me and you're never going to see the end of that. Wow. I mean, we've gone from Adam to Cain to Lamech. Really plunging down. I mean, Cain succumbed to sin. Lamech exults in his sin. You know, Cain tried to be protected. Lamech is provoking. He doesn't worry about being protected. He can handle himself, thank you very much. So, you know, really a low point when you get to this guy. And he's making Cain look good, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't easy. <laughs> You're exactly right, though. I mean, this, they, we may have great advances in civilization in some areas, but morally, we are plunging down the abyss. It's bad. But he was confused because God was the one that was going to take vengeance, not Cain. And the way he words it is almost like... No, he's saying if Cain will, is avenged. If, if Cain is avenged? If God avenges okay. Cain sevenfold, okay. I think that's the idea. Okay. If the, if, the, if the vengeance for Cain is going to be sevenfold. That makes sense. The vengeance for me, and I'll take care of that, will be seventy-sevenfold. Now, is this the first this first recording we have of uh, someone taking two spouses right for themselves? Yes. Uh, so... He, he just like a rebel all around. Yes. I mean, he just, he just likes to be, he takes pride in, in rebelling. 
Yes, I, I think I had always thought that he just killed one person, but it looks Me like too. he's killed more than that. It is possible that those are two parallel lines. Okay. That is possible. The man, the boy, Satan. Right. But I'm, I mean, given his nature, maybe he is saying two different things. I think you can interpret it either way. Oh, I never okay. Yeah. Doesn't matter in the bottom line. Cameron. What does Tubal mean? In Tubal I don't game? know. Because it would be like praising King, putting down King. I don't even. I don't know. Probably somebody does, but I don't. So. Okay. Yes. Um, this is a little bit off uh, subject, but in like I noticed in like chapter five, and like verse nine, it said live ninety years, and then later on I would say eight hundred years, and they would just be up and down with the age. Why was it like that? Why was it some lived short? R read it. You have to read it. When you read it, you'll t you can tell. Okay. Read the whole thing, and you'll see. Okay. Yes. I wrote down the generations, and it looks like that Lamech is the sixth from Adam. And I didn't know if that had any significance. Um, it depends on how you count that. Adam, Cain, uh, uh, mm -hmm. Enoch, Mahuj uh, Irad, Mahujil, Mahushel, Lamech. If you count Adam, he's number seven. Because I was just, I'm trying to remember for, let's see, one, two, three, four. Okay, so he's the seventh from Adam, he's like Enoch is the seventh from Adam. Seventh from Adam. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a good comparison. Oh, yeah, we're going there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And there's more to it than just that, as a matter of fact. Being so good observation. That would be hard to watch. I mean, to know that he was the first one who sinned and exposed his children to the consequences of that, and then to watch this line yes. get progressively further away. Yes. As a father, that would just kill you to see your descendants do that. And yes. he's still alive. At this he's time. still alive. More than likely, there. You know. We've got some question marks about some chronology, and we don't actually have specific chronology right here. So, but he may have been. Okay. I saw a um, timeline thing, I'm not sure how accurate it was, but it showed that Adam died the year of the flood. No, not Adam. Methuselah. Maybe Methuselah. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, is this all we know about Lamech, or was Yes. It? Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering, like, he was some big muscular dude or something, or if he had, like, a hard job, you know, he, like, because he could be big. You wouldn't be, like, me going around saying stuff like this. Like, you'd have to be muscle, you know what I mean? You know, I don't know. Sometimes the smallest guys are the mouthiest, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's the people who's hanging out with. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Oh, David went right in there. This is not the only Lamech. No, it's not. Because you have the other one. Yes. Thank you. You're starting to figure some out, and pretty soon you're going to steal my thunder or part of it. That's okay, though. I'm glad you're starting to see some things. Keep looking. Yeah. Because there's going to be a cool thing eventually. <laughs> Tell me again what you said, Sarah. That he's not the only Lamech, or oh, oh, okay. And that yeah. Lamech, this Lamech is the seventh from Adam, just like 
Enoch is the seventh from Adam, okay. down the other line. And think. What else do we know? You can think of that. About Enoch. <laughs> About Enoch, he walked with he God. Walked with and God, he was not where God took him. And what else do you know? Two Enochs. Cain walked away from God. Say that again, John. Two, two Enochs. There are two oh. Enochs, yeah. Oh, that's right. You've got these two parallel lines. We're, we're there now, so I'm going to say a couple <laughs> things about that. It's cool. It's great that you're seeing this already. We've got the line of Cain. We've got the line through Seth. Number seven in the line through Cain is Lamech. Bad dude. Number seven in the line through Seth is Enoch, who we haven't looked at yet, but some of you know he walked with God, and he was so righteous, God just took him directly to heaven. And the two repeated names, the two names that are in both lists, Lamech and Enoch. And... I don't think we'll get to this point. Maybe we will. There's all kinds of more sevens in this. The sevens all over the place in these first four or five chapters of Genesis. We looked at a few things the other day in Genesis chapter 1. Like in the pre-book from 1, 1 to 2, 3, 35 specific uh, mentions of God. And... Genesis 1-1 has seven words. Genesis 1-2 has 14 words. Seven days of creation. Seven times, though not parallel with the days of creation exactly, God saw that it was good, with the last ones being, he saw that it was very good. So we've already got lots and lots of seven, seven-fold vengeance for Cain. Uh, seven times Abel and, and Cain were called brothers. Uh, we might as well just do a little bit more of this while we're at it. <laughs> All right. The other Lamech was 777 years old. When, when he, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I got a chart. Okay. Yes, that's in uh, 531. The other Lamech was 70, 777 years old when he died. Now, look at this. In the narrative about Cain, in chapter 4, from 1 to 17... Let's count up the number of times Cain's name is mentioned. So give me the verses and how many times. One. It's once in in verse one. In verse two. Once. Three. Four. Five. Two. Six. Seven. Eight. Two. Nine. Ten. None, 11, none, 12, none, 13, 14, none, 15, 2, 16, 1, 17, 14 references to Cain. Now look at the number of references to Abel. You've got none in 1, how many in 2? 2, none in 3, how many in 4? 2. How many in five? None. Six. None. Seven. None. Eight. There's two. Two. And nine. There's one. Seven references to Abel. And while you're at it, uh, in in 425 down through 5.8, which is all the references to Seth, how many references do we have to Seth? In 425, there's one. 426, there's one. Then 53, there's one. 54, 56, 57, and 58. There's seven references to Seth. 
Now, that's not my big one yet. Those are just the preliminary ones. Uh, there's another one that's even more impressive that will take a little more time, and I'll, I'll wait a little bit on that. But that certainly means that when we see that number seven is Lamech and number seven is Enoch, we should expect there's some significance in that. Now, where is Enoch re- repeated? Where is Enoch repeated? I see Lamech in... Uh, in, in 417. Cain's son was Enoch. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Why so, did they flip from the lines, though? What do you mean? Mm. Oh yeah, they're not in the same position, but they are the two names that are repeated in both lists. Yeah, they're not in the same position. Well, they're, and they're in same. They're they're in different lines, though. Correct, different yeah. family lines. I'm saying there is an Enoch and Cain's line and an Enoch and Seth's line. Right. There's a Lamech and Cain's line and a Lamech and Seth. Right. So my Those question the is, two. why why would you name your kid the same name as the bad kid's line? Well, who or knows? They're just using a name for it because it's a name. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know if they would have necessarily read this okay. and thought yeah. of, well, Cain's the bad line, you know, Seth's the good line. I don't know that all of Seth was the good line either. I'm not trying to imply that. Okay. Uh, because by the time we get to chapter 6, right. it's bad all the way around. Logan. Um, how do they come up with all these names? <laughs> How do we come up with all our names? I mean, they, they, they met something usually. Yeah. yeah, maybe they had baby books back then. <laughs> we, we know part of, like, um, for Cain, you have Eve gave birth to Cain, and she said, I've gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Right. And the meaning of Cain, it's some kind of a play on words. Yeah, and it often was. And that, so yeah. that kind of thing. So they often had meaning to their Yeah, names. there was a more yeah. meaning. Alright, Cass? Um, in the part where it talks about Lamech, um, bragging about, you know, killing one or two men or whatever, uh, it's, the, the whole thing's kind of dumb. Well, it's even to, the dumber and to me is in verse 24 when it says, If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech, or Lamech shall seven, seventy sevenfold. So he's kind of bragging about his punishment, sort of. No, he's bragging about how he's going to punish anybody who messes with him oh, 77 okay. times. Okay, okay. You, you mess with him, and what God would do to somebody messing with Cain is going to look like nothing. Okay, I got the confusion. Yeah. Hey, he's... Wow, this is braggart deluxe, Jacob. Why does he tell this to his wives? Well, who else is going to listen to an idiot <laughs> like that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, was he scared they were done? That he was half, Like, it doesn't make sense why he bragged to his wives about killing people. Well, no. People like that just like Do, do like those kind of people him. ever make sense? Yeah, they just like to. Yeah, I mean. He's, he's trying to make himself look good in front of. Do bad dudes make sense? I mean, it's, it, it isn't. It doesn't make sense. Well, sin does not make sense. That's exactly right. Yeah. Has, it, has any of this sin made sense? Make any sense for Adam and Eve to eat that one forbidden fruit? Make any sense for Cain to kill Abel? You see this is nonsense. Well, yeah, with these sins, it's easy to see that. It's easy to see them with everybody's except mine. 
these are the characters that Solomon in Proverbs called fools. That's exactly right. They are. Kevin. The second go, we're talking about names, and it got me thinking. And in 3.20, it says, Now the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. And that's like right after they had sinned and they had gotten cursed or whatever. Had he not named her before that? Did he name her that... I don't know the answer to that. Wasn't she just the woman? I don't think they mentioned her name before that, but I don't know if this is in chronological order or not. Well, then Adam got to name everybody anyways. The animals. Well, well. No. All right. How about 425 uh, to, let's say, 55? And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time people began to call upon the name of the Lord. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years... He fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Okay, so we see Seth being born, taking the place of Abel. We see men beginning to call upon the name of the Lord in verse 26. Uh, much better that Seth's line pioneers worship than pioneering building cities and various uh, you know civilized arts. And then you have the new book, you know, as we divide Genesis into books in five one, the book of the generations of Adam, and you see Adam being created in the likeness of God. And then Adam having a son in his own likeness, according to his image, named Seth, and so forth and so on. Um, so, we are moving now in chapter 5, verse 1, to these generations of Adam. I think I probably have time to get this in, and since we've done the um, done this deal with the seventh being Lamech and the seventh being Enoch, we're just going to go ahead and do this, and we'll get this out of the way. And that is, all right, remember what we said about the books. The, the, the narrative divides this. This is divided into various books. You have the pre-book in 1, 1 to 2, 3. And in the pre-book, there were 35 times that God's name is mentioned. Now you have the, the first book of the generations, or whatever, account of the heavens and earth when they were created. That's 2-4 down to 4-26. Now I want us to count up the number of times. We have to do this out of a good translation, not the ESV. <laughs> which throws another reference to God in that's not in the original. We do this in a New American Standard, New King James, or whatever. I want us to come up with the number of times God's name is mentioned from 2-4 to 426 in this first book. Alright, so we have to look at this carefully. I'll help you with this. Alright, so tell me how many times it's mentioned in each. It can be God, Lord God, Lord, doesn't matter. Something like that. So in 2-4, how many times? 2-5? 2 6? 7? 8? 9? 
10, none, 11, none, 12, none, 13, none, 14, none, 15, 1, 16, 17, 18, 19, then none in 20, 21, 1, 22, 1, then none in 23, 24, 25, then in 3, 1, 2, then 3, 2, none, 3, 3, 1, 3, 4, none, 3, 5, 2, 3, 6, none, 3, 7, none, 3, 8, 2, 3, 9, 1, 3, 10, none, 11, none, 12, none, 13, 1, that's 20 now, 14, 1, 15, none, 16, none, 17, none, 18, none, 19, none, 20, none, 21, 22, 1, 23, none in 24, 24, 4, 1, 1, 4, 2, none, 4, 3, 1, 4, 4, 4, 5, none, 6, 7, none, 8, none, 9, 1, 10, none, 11, none, 12, none, 13, 1, 14, none, 15, 2, 16, 1, then none in 17 all the way down to 25 has 1, 26 has number 35, and that's the one where they began to call upon the name of the Lord. So the 70th mention of God, 35 in each of the first two divisions, the 70th mention, they begin to call upon the name of the Lord. I really think those things are, are part of the intention of the original text. Uh, there's just so much emphasis on seven, so many things you see in that, that I think that's probably significant. And that makes it even more significant, number seven in each line is Lamech and Enoch. Lots of comments. You don't have to think that's significant, but I... So why does the ESV insert more references? Well, look. <laughs> I don't like the ESV. Uh, it, it's, it, it's one of these deals where you have to decide how you're going to translate. Now, if you're translating normal stuff, you want to translate in a way that just makes the idea clear to the reader in the other language. So you take liberties with the text to get the same general feeling across mm -hmm. to the reader in the other language. That's what I do if I'm translating somebody from English to Portuguese, Portuguese to English. I don't worry about getting word for word. I just try to make sure they get the same sense. But if you're translating the Bible, I want the translation to be as exact as possible. But they did one time, I don't remember where it was, where they thought the pronoun reference was a little ambiguous. So they put God in there. It was God. They're right. But the text doesn't say God. It just used a pronoun reference. They try to clarify the meaning. The meaning's right, but you missed that point. New American Standard does too much of that. They do it, like New American Standard even, in Revelation, will do, they won't give the, the numbers for distances. 72 yards. Yeah. They'll, they'll translate into ink, and so you miss the symbolism of the numbers. Mm. And so it's like, I want something that's 
closer to exactly what the original said. The ESV and worse, the NIV use the dynamic equivalence principle of translation, which isn't necessarily bad if you're translating other stuff, but isn't as good to really know the exact meaning if you're translating the Bible. So I think use the ESV, the NIV, and things like that just to read from. But if you're studying carefully, use the ASV, if you can find it, or the New American Standard, New King James, are better. They're, they're less of this dynamic equivalence idea. The farther out you go, the ESV is a step farther. The NIV, I think, even a step farther than that. They're not terrible. They'll give you the general sense, but they're taking more liberties than I wish they would. That's my feeling. What about the message? I don't even know what that is, but it's I'm sure it's uh, worse. That's, that's the worst there is. Yeah, yeah. You get into some that are really bad. You know, the ESV and the NIV are responsible translations in 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 in, in one sense. It's just using a principle of translation that's not good if you're really trying to study carefully out of the Bible. If you just want to read and get the sense, great. It's more readable. And it gives you the sense, if they understood the sense, sometimes they may miss it. But I'd rather have something that is more exact, even if it's harder to understand, for when I'm really trying to study. Or for something like this, that they never thought about that being a problem. Let's clarify the reference, we'll throw in another guy. Well, there so many more. I mean, there was one verse where he said, there's two. And I was like, no, there's four. <laughs> in the ESV, there were four references. Really? Me too. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize where that. Where it said, Lord God, and they duplicated it. So, Lord God was in the verse. Well, Lord God is just one. That's just one? That's just one. I'm counting that as just one. Okay. Yeah. But there's one, I know there's one in the ESV that they added, because I did this in New York camp, and we got off by one, and I realized later it was somebody giving me the the, on the ESV. So, and I I figured it out later in another class, which verse it was, but I don't remember now. All right, well, our time's up. Thanks for letting me uh, share all that. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, more or less start in Chapter 5 next time. But uh, I enjoyed being able to uh, go through some of that with you guys. In the message where he talks about the lost son returning home here and stuff, or the prodigal son, whatever you want to call him, uh, when he came back, he said they celebrated, and the message it says, I think this is that they had a barbecue. I thought the barbecue or something. It's really funny. Like, the whole, you know, it's just a funny read if you want to. Really They're trying to put it into contemporary language. I saw a parallel Mom, between New King, like a parallel Bible between New King James and the message. It was hilarious. <laughs>